On episode 36 of Laying the Points with Farley Betts, we have a guy who's won 14 out of 17 NFL seasons, meaning he's had 14 out of 17 profitable NFL seasons. If you've bet on the NFL, you know how hard that is. At Sixth Sense NFL, the Scott Kellen joins us on Laying the Points. Let's fucking go. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Laying the Points with Farley Betts. The NFL is so close, you guys, you gals, you theys. We are around the corner for the NFL season, and I can't wait. And we have a great guest today in Scott Kellen. He was on the BetUS NFL show with me last year. He's on VEASAN sometimes. He's all over. He's an NFL handicapper, a pro sports better who is mainly focused on the NFL, and that's what you want. That's who the kind of guy you want to listen to leading up to the NFL season. Somebody that dedicates their time and energy and attention as much as Scott Kellen does. This is going to be a great episode, and I know that you'll enjoy it. Before we get to Scott Kellen, just let me remind you about a few things. Last week's podcast with Dr. Kate, I'm still thinking about it. Just the things she said, the way she said it on psychology, on mental health. She's a clinical psychologist and behaviorist. Check out that podcast just for a little reminder about maybe some better ways that we can conduct ourselves this NFL season because it's going to be hard. It's going to be volatile. We're going to have some down days and down weeks. And Dr. Kate and the, you know, the expertise that she brings to the table, she just said some really great things last week. So check out that episode. Also, check me out at FarleyBets.com. Check me out at FarleyBets on Twitter. And consider subscribing to my NFL package, I'm still giving away 40%. Forget 25%, 10%, all that early bird nonsense. I'm just giving away a straight 40% off my NFL season package up until the start of the NFL season. Email me at farleybets at gmail.com or send me a DM on Twitter at farleybets and we can connect and I can explain how to get started and how to get you subscribed to my NFL season package, which by the way, will include all of my college football picks as well for free. Lastly, let me ask you a question. If I went up to you and I said, I'm going to give you $20, but you have to use it to bet on sports. I I think you might say yes, right? You can do the same exact thing. Go to betteredge.com slash Farley. That's B-E-T-T-O-R-E-D-G-E dot com slash f-a-r-l-e-y and get a free twenty dollars to bet with at better edge a social sports betting marketplace where you can create your own lines bet against others who create their own lines and you talk about an advantage there are there's no vig there's no vig at better edge there's no minus 110 minus 120 any of that malarkey it's like minus 101 plus 100 plus 101 no vig just bets Get your free $20 over there at betteredge.com slash Farley and check out a platform that is changing the sports betting space one day at a time. Before we get to Scott Callen, I just wanted to go over my five rules of NFL betting. 
and I, I wrote an article on this at farleybets.com. You can go check it out. But let me just speak to a few of these things, okay? First and foremost, be judicious. What does being judicious mean? It means be really selective and calculated with the picks you make this NFL season. Great books talk about this, and I've talked about it a lot, and it's especially true in the NFL. When you overexpose yourself, I know it sounds weird, but when you overexpose your bankroll to the NFL market, the sharpest market that there is in sports, maybe European soccer can somewhat compete, but really it's it's the NFL, okay? The smartest bettors in the world are coming together every single week, usually Sunday night or so, right? And they all talk to each other and they make these big bets and they correct those lines immediately. First of all, if you can understand the market, and, and gain a better understanding of where the line is going to move, you can be one of those guys or girls who gets ahead of that and gets an early bet in before the market shifts. But in general, make sure that you're not over betting every week in the NFL. It, it's really the most important rule that I could preach because most of us, we're, we're just so married to the NFL, aren't we? We love the NFL. Everybody watches the NFL. Nobody loves it more than me. I get it. All right. It's it's a it's a it's a, a passionate affair. Every Sunday, I'm either in front of my TV or I'm with my buddies out. But maybe this year, instead of making bets on something that you would consider a one-unit play, maybe you don't make that bet anymore. Right. Maybe, maybe your two unit plays of the past become your one unit plays now, or your three to five unit plays become your two unit plays because it's always smart to pull back a little bit and recognize that the NFL is really tough and really volatile. You'll have more money in your bankroll if you follow that philosophy. Number two and number three are synonymous. Know the market and try to find middles, right? If you don't know what a middle is, this is basically what it is, okay? Maybe you anticipate that a favorite, let's say a favorite of minus five, is going to move up to minus seven, right? So you take the minus five right away. But maybe because you understand the market, because you've been observing the market and testing yourself on how well you can anticipate line movement, you're taking that bet especially because you think that that line is going to move to minus seven. And at that point, because we know that six is a key number in the NFL, so is seven, but six is increasingly more prominent so then because you waited, because you were smart and you put down a bet on that minus five and because you anticipated it correctly, that line moves to minus seven and you take the underdog, right? So you take plus seven and minus five, hoping for a six point win, but you're guaranteeing that you're going to win one of those bets, obviously, right? I mean, hopefully you you push on one bet and you win the other or you win both at six, but this game, this whole sports betting thing, what it's about more than anything is understanding and anticipating what's going to happen in the market. Anticipating how the Sharps feel about a certain team or player or situation. And anticipating where they're going to go is a huge, I mean, the most important part of middling. Evaluate the market every single week. Test what your perceptions are and what you're anticipating, and see how correct or incorrect you are. Note what they like and don't like, and you'll find more middles than you used to. Number four, know yourself and bet what you know. Now, this can be confusing a little bit, right? Because you don't want to bet on teams 
or bet against teams where you have some kind of internal bias, right? Like I got to check myself sometimes, right? I, I fucking hate the Eagles. I hate the Eagles for more reasons than one. But Eagles were really good last year. I lost some money not betting on the Eagles or betting against them a few times last season. That was some of my internal biases were probably a part of that. Probably. Now, because I'm a true fan, you know, and not like a crunchy granola, like, hey, I'm an NFL fan. No, you're not. Um, I'm a Giants fan, so I'm really hard on my Giants. Like, I don't, I don't bet on my Giants very often. But there are teams that I know. There are teams that I know better than others because I find them more entertaining, more interesting, or just because I've been right on them before, right? I've, I'm looking at my historical performance, and I'm seeing that, hey, I was onto something here. I had a good instinct with this where I was able to anticipate this performance from this team based on this or that. Know yourself, know what you know, for lack of a better way to say it, and don't venture too far away from that, right? Like a team that I don't really have a good handle on coming into this season is the Las Vegas Raiders. I hear some people saying, hey, this is going to be a better team. I don't see it, but you know what? I, I don't know if I know enough to make that statement that boldly just yet. Another team, the Seattle Seahawks. I, I think they could regress. I kind of expect them to regress after what we saw in the second half of last season, not winning a lot of games, not covering a lot of games, but I know they got better at, at, at several uh, key positions. So I'm, I'm probably going to pull back from betting on or against them at this point. Recognize what you know well. Be careful about biases and you'll win more. Finally, the hardest rule to accept is that you have to expect losses. You have to expect hard times betting the NFL. You're going to have a week. You're going to have multiple weeks that are not going to go the way you thought. You're going to have teasers where you're like, there's no way this teaser is not going to hit. And that's not going to hit. There's going to be a block punt or a two-point conversion for no reason or, or a crazy interception. Or maybe you were just flat out wrong. Expect hard times. Expect hard times and don't beat yourself up over it. You know, again, the smartest bettors in the world are the ones that win consistently in the NFL. And those are the only ones that win consistently. Like those are guys and girls who are eating, sleeping, breathing. And let's face it, it's mostly guys. Like I don't give a fuck what anyone says. It's mostly like 55 plus year old guys who have been doing this for a long time. That's just the way it is. Make sure that none of the people in your life get hit by those extra fragments of a grenade that come from you being disappointed or mad because you lost one NFL weekend or multiple NFL weekends. Be prepared for the tough times to come. With that, I give you a master at NFL betting. Let's get to the one and only Scott Kellen. All right, everybody. I am back with Scott Kellen. You might know him from the BetUS NFL show last season. You can catch him on Twitter at Sixth Sense NFL. And this is, a, he has this on his Twitter, and this speaks for itself. Not only does Scott 14 out of 17 winning NFL seasons, that's incredible against the sharpest market, I, I think, in the world as far as sports betting goes. Here's also the 2011 Canner Football Showdown and 2014 Golden Nugget Football Showdown winner. Scott, it's great to have you on laying the points. We paired up last year on the Bay US NFL show. You killed it. 
again last year in the NFL. What have you been up to this summer? Hey, uh, you know, not much. Doing a little travel, Chris. It's First of all, it's good to be back, and I appreciate you having me on. And love doing those shows last week and or last year, and you killed it as well. Uh, so it, it was a lot of fun doing it. And, um, you know, in between traveling and working, uh, just working on NFL. And, by God, I, uh, you know, you wake up, and it's like it's very, very close now. So uh, getting super excited and uh, can't wait for the season to start. Yeah, it's, it's close, but it seems like, God, these last few weeks are like – dragon scott you know i just i want week one to come but then maybe i shouldn't even wish that right because then it's just like that it's it's over um yeah. you know because the fall is just so great you got the holidays things are things are just humming by but at least we got college football this weekend and then the nfl is is shortly behind that um so you've been doing a lot of traveling you said scott you you used to travel even during the nfl season went to see a game over there in europe and yeah. before we get to nfl any Hot spots that you've been to recently that you would highly recommend to our, our audience? Uh, well, I, I was, I'll, I'll, I'll take it the other way. We're going to Germany this year to see the uh, Chiefs and Dolphins in November. So definitely looking forward to that. Have not seen that uh, or, or been to Germany at all. So uh, that that's big. You know, Chris, I've I've traveled all over the United States. It's, it's and uh, I don't get outside the United States a ton. Um, but for me, just be... You know, before I was in this role that I had that I've been in for a while now, you know, going to San Diego or somewhere on vacation would be great. But I was just there on Friday. Right. Like, uh, you know, so I get there all the time. So I'm spoiled in that way. So, um, you know, I'm always trying to get outside the United States. And, uh, you know, Hawaii is always a favorite, obviously, which most people know. But uh, um, now we're trying to get a little bit more overseas. Uh, we'll be hitting France next year. And like you said, Germany mm -hmm. this year, London was fantastic last year. Took in a soccer game as well. So. Got to experience that. That was great as well. So uh, I'm gonna have to tag along one of these times. You know, I, back in my, my military days, I wanted to be close to home. But like, if I could go in now, Germany, I would choose Germany probably at the top of the list from the kind of things I hear. You know, just about the beer halls over there and everything else. That's a sounds like a fun time. So uh, looking forward to hearing about those travelings again this year. For for those audience members that don't know Scott Callen, don't know about your historic records in the NFL, just how, how long you've been doing this and how well you've done. Just tell our audience a little bit just about your background, like how you got into sports betting and how you got into betting the National Football League. Yeah, you know, I'm probably not much different than anybody else in, in, in some ways. I can very distinctly remember sitting in my parents' living room. I think it was my mom's chair. I'm probably like 17 years old. My brother walks by and says, Hey, do you know about these parlay cards, right? Like you can bet $5 and win $30 or, you know, whatever it was. Right. And, uh, and that started it. Right. And, uh, you know, we, we started doing that. And I remember me and my, a couple of my buddies, we used to meet every single night at Wednesday night at, at some bar of quarter taps for like two hours or something. This is like 1983. Now you probably weren't even alive obviously then, but, um, and we, we'd get our, you know, three or four teams for our parlay card for that week. Right. But that started it. And then, you know, over a while, I started to come across people who did a lot of situational handicapping and, and they won with it. And I'm like, wow, there might be something to that. So I started applying that. And, you know, I would start to use kind of what are called Z factors, which is just find, making sure you've got a sample size that's significant enough. And I had a ton of success with that. You know, back in the day of the old super contest before you had, you know, 2000 people in it when there was 300 people, I had 11. 11th place finish, 20th place finish, 19th place finish. Um, but the situational handicapping, obviously, as I think most people know, is kind of going by the wayside. There are still some things that work for that. 
obviously we know it's you know a lot more analytics and all that kind of stuff now. And to be honest, uh, you know, I'm still trying to kind of figure that part out. My my totals have always been good, regardless of you know what I'm using for handicapping. I've always had a good feel for that. I will say though, the situational handicapping uh, and it was applying to the NFL. It really helped me kind of understand a lot how the NFL is a little bit of a contrarian type league, and that just helped my handicapping process. And it's not completely contrarian now, but it still has a piece of that in it. Um, and so now I'm, you know, even though the totals are still doing well, you know, I've struggled with the sides a little bit over the last couple of years, but I've been working on a player rating system. Because one thing, when I was using stats, if Patrick Mahomes misses four games, then you, you got to go in and take those stats out. It just became very complicated to get a very quick number because you need to have a number on Sunday night, Monday morning. Um, so kind of going to these player ratings, it's a little bit easier for me to replace an individual that might be important to the team. Um, and, and get a number very quickly. So, you know, I'm trying to get back to that from a side standpoint. Like I said, the totals have been extremely strong, but, um, you know, I don't think I started any different than anybody else. You know, it might not have been parley cards for someone, but it's all that kind of same fashion. And then hopefully you wise up, get smart, you know, know enough people that are smart to uh, really kind of hone your skill, if you will, and, and hopefully have a chance to win at it. Yeah, I feel like we've all had those like epiphany moments where we're like, wait a second, I can make money off of watching this sport and, and maybe there's some strategy and like philosophy behind it where I can win on a consistent basis. I, I, I think mine was like uh, tw uh, 20 or 2009 in Vegas, you know, betting on the NBA finals, just one bet, but I, it kind of triggered me a little bit. Right. And then, and then you got to control it, you know, and everything else, but it's cool to hear those, uh, you know, origin stories of, of how you got your start and um, you know, the player ratings, you brought them up a lot on last year's show. Uh, you were really, I mean, spot on about a lot of those. So really hoping you can uh, segue some of that into our conversation today. And let's get right to it, Scott, because I know I'm always in a pinch, you know, got the baby over here, everything going on. So let's play a little buy or sell to start us off. And I got some questions here for you or some statements rather, and whether you're buying or selling these statements. And this first one will incorporate your Green Bay Packers, which I'm really interested in hearing your thoughts about their perspective performance this season but first one buy or sell scott the lions who are the favorites to win the nfc north the lions will win the nfc north this season yeah you know you put a gun to my head and say yes or no uh <laughs> i'm gonna say yes right uh you know they're plus i think 140 i saw this morning at, at one of the books I, I use uh so they're plus money obviously um and you know for the most part in that division it's probably detroit or minnesota uh, yeah, I don't know that Chicago can take a big enough jump. Uh, you know, we can talk about Green Bay. Obviously, Jordan loves the huge wild card there. So from that perspective, I would say yes. But uh, here's where I caution. And and by the way, as we get into this, you know, more discussions, we'll have a discussion about the Vikings. Uh, and I think, you know, in, in reasons why I would not expect them to win the division this year uh, or at least do well um, compared to last year. But the one thing that scares me about the Lions is – they won, I think, six more games last year than they won the previous season. They took a big jump, uh, rightfully so for you know a lot of reasons. But in my studies going back to 1983, teams that win five games or more one season versus the pre previous season, only 26% of those teams, um, and we're talking about a sample size of over 100 here, uh, win as many or more games the next year. So the Lions won nine games last year. They're going to fall into a spot here where history says they're not going to duplicate that. 
That also then means that they only win eight games potentially this year, which would make them under 500. And then would also say, maybe they're not going to win the division. Uh, I do think, I think their defensive line is still pretty weak, quite frankly. Uh, they have shored up the secondary. So I think there's a chance there. Um, but, you know, they're plus money to win the division. We'll, we'll talk about Minnesota later and reasons why I don't think they're going to win the division. Um, I suppose Minnesota could win nine games and win the division in that, in that respect, but I don't think they're going to do nearly as well as last year. The Packers are certainly the wild card here, you know, maybe the Bears. Um, but again, if it's a yes or no, I'm going to say yes to Detroit plus the 140. Just that caveat, they have some history going against him here, you know, based on what I would call too quick, too big and too quick, you know, with that big jump last year as well. Yeah, certainly. And the way that they ended last season, too. I mean, I almost, almost feel like that could be some momentum coming into this season, shutting down the Packers' chances of making the playoffs. Um, you know, the, a great way to end the season as far as, you know, showing the character of their team and just, you know, what what they're building there, right? Because um, you can see, right, even even the way that they're drafting their players, you know, some people are scratching their heads. But I, I think they're trying to bring more high-character guys onto the roster even before maybe what the metrics say at the combine or anything else. And, you know, long-term that, that might work, but Dan Campbell and his crew this year, it's just uh, NFC North, North is one of the more interesting divisions in football to me, because you, you your Packers are, are still extremely talented, um, yeah. you know, especially on defense, I would argue, but they still have that two headed monster at running back. You got some growing wide receivers and for what it's worth, you know, Jordan love, from what we've seen of him lately, right, the past 12 to 16 months, he looks like a better version of himself. And, and if he can be operational, they're, they're really interesting to me. Like week one, Scott, now, now that line has gone down. But, you know, Packers were plus three um, against the Bears. Like, I, I guess for me, and I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this, I just feel like Matt LaFleur can finally really lead this team, right? Like you're, people are seeing it right now on Hard Knocks that Aaron Rodgers – is always going to think he's the smartest guy in the room, you know, and, 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 you know, maybe he is, you know, he's, a, I think he is a sharp guy, but I do think that LaFleur was probably like, is this really completely my team? Now it is, you know, and, yeah. and now he has a chance to run his creative style of offense, maybe without a little less, you know, chirping from his quarterback. So I wonder if like, as a team, the chemistry that they have, maybe the you know, moxie that they have, like we're still the Packers. This isn't just about Aaron Rodgers. Um, they're, they're a team that I'm going to look to bet on early, maybe if they get a little undervalued in those spots. What do, just, what do you think about your Packers this season in general? What are you sensing um, you know, from their locker room and uh, local news and everything like that? Well, you know, as a Packer fan, uh, I'm very excited because it's new and it's different. And there's hope, right? You know, potential hope. Now, all that can wane very quickly if they get off to just a hor horrible start the first three or four weeks, obviously. But I think to your point, love is the wild card. Uh, you know, we've seen this before with Aaron Rodgers. I think, A, I think the most important thing for the Packers when they get to the end of the year that will serve them good going forward, they either have to know Jordan Love is not the guy or he is the guy. Anything in between, that could be another three years of wasted time trying to figure that out. And you go back to Aaron Rodgers' first year, he was 6-10, and 10, so he wasn't great. But about halfway through the year, the Packers knew they had a quarterback. So that's that's the most important thing for the Packers this year. But you're right. This offensive line, I mean, Bakhtiari could get hurt at any point, but he's been in and out the last couple of years. If he is truly healthy now and can go, this offensive line is pretty good. They added some weapons to the tight end. The receivers are another year older. Uh, they've added a receiver as well. 
the defense has always supposedly had some great players. We'll see uh, how quickly Rashawn Gary can come back. We'll see. But I think there's a lot of talent there. And to your point, this might be the first time that Matt LaFleur has really run his offense because I think Rodgers kind of did what he wanted to for the most part in those years. So, um, you know, and, and it'll be predicated off some play action, run the ball. The team is there. If Love can just be maybe a little bit better than serviceable, I think they have a chance in a weak division. But I think anyone that tells you they know what they're going to get out of Jordan Love is really lying because we don't know, right? right. But there are signs there that things could be okay. You know, he's missed in preseason. He's missed on some uh, passes and some wide open receivers down the field. But if he can straighten some of that out, um, you know, there's a chance. There's a chance. Yeah, certainly a chance. You make a great point, too, because uh, I think the Colin Carrot is saying that a lot uh, leading up to the season, too, right? You you at least have to know this year if you're the Packers. And this is his fourth fourth, fourth season in the NFL, at least, you know, learning and developing. So you, you at least for the Packers, they'll know if they can move on or not move on. You know, and then and then, you know, the state of the team is at least more, you know, as a fan, you know, what's about to happen. Someone like me, I got Daniel Jones over here. I'm a New York <laughs> Giants guy. So whether whether um, he improves or not, I'm stuck with that, dude. Um, and they're paying you know. him a lot of money now. Right. And that, you know, that's it's it's a little bit of a dilemma. I mean, hopefully it works out for him. But that's that, you know, he's, he's in the middle. Right. Yeah. He's in the middle, but there's no middle market for quarterbacks right now. Right. So you just got to pay him or not. Uh, but so you're, I, I think the Packers are in a much better situation than maybe some people think. NFC North still very winnable. But let's segue right from the Aaron Rodgers talk to these New York Jets. Uh, obviously, a lot of fanfare around what's happening right now. We are seeing Aaron Rodgers in the way that he kind of works on a team, right? He, he can be seem like a really great guy. I think he can also seem like a diva a little bit, gets a little perturbed. He was asking for David Bakhtiari, right? I, I'll tell you what, if, if the Packers even are, are considering that they better ask for a, a huge return on that one, but uh, true or false or, or rather buy or sell Scott, the jets will go to the AFC playoffs this season. I think they will. Now they've got a very tough schedule. And by the way, you know, jets were the same situation. And I said this about the jets last year with Zach Wilson. They got the answer, I think on Zach Wilson uh, and obviously move forward. So can they have a tough schedule? You know, by, by the way I look at it, they've got the eighth toughest schedule, but you know, the Patriots, who, you know, I, I don't think are going to challenge for the division. They have the toughest schedule. Uh, Miami's got the fifth tough, toughest schedule, and Buffalo's got the third toughest schedule. So other teams in that division have a very, very tough schedule as well. And you look at the Chiefs, uh, you know, just speaking AFC, they have the second toughest schedule. So uh, there's a lot of good teams in the AFC, but some of those other teams have even more difficult schedules. I think there's some question about the Jets' offensive line, uh, but Rodgers being the quarterback that he is, uh, many times as, as, you know, other quarterbacks like Kim can, they can make that offensive line better than what they really are. So, you know, they, they might be able to overcome that a little bit. How good is Rogers? Uh, you know, he wasn't great last year, but I, he was hurt last year. And I, I'd like to think to a degree, some of this is just based on some of his injury and whatnot. Um, but you know, we don't know how good he is anymore. He's getting older, obviously, but here's the one, I mean, this is a very, very good team, obviously. And last year, the Jets won seven games without Aaron Rodgers. They were minus seven in net turnovers. Uh, I think they were minus two on the uh, interceptions. Uh, not because, you know, Zach Wilson and company didn't throw a lot of interceptions. I think they threw 14, but they intercepted a lot of passes. I think they intercepted like 12 themselves. So that turned into a negative two. But if Rodgers only throws five or seven interceptions, and they can duplicate that 12 interceptions, which I think they're very uh, capable of doing, 
all of a sudden, you know, you're plus five, plus seven there. And they were also minus five on the fumble side of it, which is a total random stat. If they even that out, all of a sudden the Jets could be plus 10 in turnover margin this year. And that completely changes their game as well, I believe. So, um, you know, and, and even if they slip in as like the number sixth or seventh team in the playoffs, they've got a good enough defense that could go on, go on the road and win a playoff game as well. Um, so, you know, for all those reasons, uh, even though they've got the tough schedule and that tough schedule could put them in a sixth or seventh slot, potentially, uh, they could also very easily be a, a two, three or four slot um, just because of some of those things I said as well. And so I would say, yes, I think they have a decent chance of making playoffs. Yeah, the thing I've been telling people is just watch out for those first six games, you know, because the Jets, uh, they got the Bills, they got the Chiefs, the Eagles, they got to go to Denver, uh, the Patriots are in there, um, you know, the Giants, you know, eventually are in there. that's not going to be a walk in the park anymore, you know, that's a tough starting schedule, if they can make it out of there even three and three, in my opinion, they're in a great spot, you know, and, and, and that's why I think if you want to bet on Jets win totals, maybe you wait, you know, you wait until week five, six, seven. Uh, you probably get a much better price, maybe even on their playoff hopes and everything else. But, you know, what I think worst case scenario for Jets fans is if they go like two and four or something like that, Aaron Rodgers is mad. He's getting sacked because to your point, that offensive line, uh, it, it's it, it's a liability. It looks like at this point, and he's already getting frustrated a little bit. So uh, they just got to make it out that gauntlet. It's not an easy schedule after that, but things get a little more comfortable at least. And and then we'll we'll see what the Jets do, but you make great points about their turnover margin, just really ill-equipped last season to win as much as they did. But because of that defense and some star players, right, they still got there. So it's going to be really, really interesting to watch the Jets this season. Um, buy or sell, there is no other contender in the NFC Conference pitcher besides Dallas, Philly, and San Francisco. Uh, I'm going to sell on that for really maybe something, you know, I guess I'll, I'll try to eliminate those three teams or at least two of them to a degree in that maybe they're not going to be as good as they were last year. So we can start with San Francisco. Um, you know, Brock Purdy was great last year. I, you know, let's just assume his injury's fine and that has no repercussions to him. We still don't know quite what we're getting with Brock Purdy. Um, and, and if he gets hurt again, then, you know, you're left with what Sam Darnold, Trey Lance. So uh, I, I think that is just a huge question mark in and of itself. Now, you know, the Shanahan offense, it's a quarterback friendly offense in some ways genius because they can put an average quarterback in there to operate and then spend their money on the rest of that team. And I think a lot of people would argue uh, they've got, brought, you know, potentially the best pieces, uh, you know, on the rest of the team, non-quarterback than most teams have. So they're in a good position from that standpoint, almost regardless who plays quarterback. But I think their offensive line is worse, um, you know, this year than it was last year. And again, they run an offense that can be friendly for some of that stuff, but still, uh, you know, that, that could play into it. By my account, they played the easiest schedule last year. They only played two teams that won uh, 10 or more games. Now, you know, when I look at that, it's not a perfect world because it counts the games that San Francisco won. So obviously, if, if a team did really well, they're going to make other teams look poorer. Uh, but they still had a very easy schedule last year. They don't have a super tough schedule this year. I think it's looking, I think it's 22nd. So still a relatively easy schedule. Um, and then they were also plus 13 in turnovers last year. If that starts to go south a little bit, uh, you know, they could potentially not be as good. So there's there's reasons to think San Francisco, despite the NFC as a whole being down, might not be as good as last year. And then, you know, let's go to Philadelphia. 
Philadelphia, they still have my best offensive line, but I don't think it's quite as good as last year. They, they lost some pieces there. Uh, their secondary, I believe, is worse than it was last year. They had the eighth easiest schedule last year, only three teams that won 10 or more games. And this year, I believe they've got them looking here. Uh, oh, they've got the 22nd uh, toughest schedule this year. So it's not super tough. But Philadelphia is also one of those teams. Two years ago, they won five games more than they won the previous year. Last year, they won another five games more than, um, than they won the previous year. So they have taken some huge jumps here to go up um, and you know, combine that with the easiest schedule last year. They could be due for a little bit of regression there as well. They're still going to be a great team, but they could regress a little bit as well. And then I take a, a team like the, the Saints, for example, um, who have the easiest schedule. You know, they've, they've got some flaws too, but they've got a quarterback that's at least serviceable and stable for them, hopefully this year. Um, and they've got pieces if Michael Thomas comes back. Uh, I mean, that's a team who could make some noise as well. And, you know, what is it? About half the teams each year that make the playoffs didn't make it the year before. So, like, we can't even imagine sometimes teams that are going to be there uh, that weren't there the year before. And just because of all that and, you know, possibly the San Francisco Philly, uh, you know, not maybe doing as well as last year. Um, I think there could be some other contenders here, especially, you know, teams that, you know, we, we can't even guess right now. Yeah, I love that you mentioned the Saints um, because I've been talking about them for a little while now, and not only the schedule, but I, I do think Derek Carr. I think this, that's a great fit for him. You know, yes. he, he's just like a good, a good southern, uh, a good Christian boy, right? That's what the South is, you know. Yeah. And, and 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 he has to have some kind of revenge in his mind, like coming yeah. off of that situation in Vegas where, um, you know, he wasn't he wasn't played in that last game. You know, after what after what he gave that franchise for a long time, Josh McDaniels not letting him play at the end. It's just, I think it left a bitter taste in his mouth, kind of a Derek Carr revenge tour, you know, with like a brand a brand new team, obviously. And you can always make the argument that he, of course, he had Devontae Adams last season, but overall, never had a real defense, you know, right. barely ever had a lot of skill players around him on, on offense, um, or, or at least didn't have the coach to maximize it. So I don't think he has it in New Orleans either as far as the coaching goes on offense, but he's got a defense that's improving. He's got some skill players around him. That's for sure. Michael Thomas is back as well. So they, they could be really, really feisty with a schedule that's as comfortable as it gets, right? A lot of dome games, a lot of space, obviously the division they play in. So they're a really interesting team. Um, before I move off this buy and sell, I just want to ask you, is it just me or do the Cowboys feel a little more capable of something significant this year. It's like, I think McCarthy calling the plays might be a little better for them. You know, he has more operational control over things. He likes to do that. Did that with the Packers. Um, you know, the defense is probably going to be right there with the top five again. I was so impressed by the way, by the way they played San Francisco, but you know, Dak's two interceptions obviously led to their demise, but it seems like a quieter Dallas Cowboys operation this all season, which is a good thing for them. I think. So, I, you know, again, another tough schedule for them in the NFC East. But with Philly's possible regression, I think the door might be a little more wider open for the Cowboys. I agree. They're plus 180 to win division. I think their offensive line will is going to be better this year because they had the injuries last year. Now, Tyron Smith can get hurt in any week, right? And that, yeah. that you know, take him back to that tumble again, which could be a problem. Uh, their secondary is better. The only concern for me, but, I, you know, I'm, I'm bullish on them, is they were plus 12 in fumbles last year. And again, that's a, a bit of a random stat, but you also hope that Dak uh, cuts back in some of the interceptions as well. So 
you know, that little fumble thing. And I, I look at something called this Pythagorean theorem, which has been very, very predictable for me uh, for season wins and whatnot. And last year, Philly had, um, looking here, 11.6 wins is what they should have had based on their Pythagorean. And Dallas should have had 11.5. So, um, you know, considering that both teams were equal last year from that standpoint, and Dallas, I think, has improved a little bit. I don't know that Philly has improved. And again, Philly had that really easy schedule last year. Uh, I would not be shocked at all to see the Cowboys win that division. Yeah, I mean, a team that's no other team except the Chiefs have had more double-digit winning seasons in a row other than the Dallas Cowboys. So you you would uh, – last thing I am is a Dallas Cowboys fan, but you would think eventually <laughs> maybe they'd get a little bit further in there. All right, the final buy or sell. The Jaguars are a lock to win the AFC South. Uh, when, when, you, when you say the word lock, I'm going to say, <laughs> uh, and, and, and this is another team that won, uh, I think six more games last year than the year before. So they kind of fall in that category. There could be some regression, but who's going to challenge them? I don't think Houston is with a rookie quarterback. Um, and I don't think Indianapolis is with a rookie quarterback. Tennessee is intriguing here. Now they could go to a rookie quarterback or, you know, Malik Willis at any point throughout the season. But if Tannehill starts, and, and Tannehill's not great, but it's a decent defense. Um, they had a lot of problems last year. They've actually upgraded their offensive line from what they finished with last year. Uh, it may not still be a great offensive line, but it's a pretty good defense. Um, so they're intriguing there that, again, Jacksonville took this huge step, and they're a very good team. Um, and you know, I think they're set up for the future well, but it's hard for me to ignore that big step they took. And again, remember, only 26% of these teams win as many or more games than they did last year. And I think it was nine wins last year. So that would mean if that holds true, 74% of the time they're going to win eight or less. Uh, you know, that that's a little bit interesting. I mean, they do seem like a team that's on this uh, trajectory to, you know, really help and improve. But um, I would bet them, you know, more so than Tennessee. But I think Tennessee is a team that could potentially surprise a little bit. I agree. You always have to watch out for the Titans. And I don't necessarily think that the Colts are going to be good this year, but I do think that Shane Steichen is, is a pretty sharp coach. We saw the way that he improved things for Justin Herbert and then obviously for Jalen Hurts, Hurts last season. Um, like even, even a week one, Scott, plus three and a half for the Colts at home, divisional game. Um, that's going to be a hard one for me not to play on just right. Like, especially in week one, right? Everybody, everybody has all the hopes in their back pocket, the whole season in front of them, different things tend to happen or more contrarian things than maybe the talent on the field. So that's going to be a more interesting division than I think people think, but Jacksonville, at least heading in the right direction. We're running a little short on time, Scott, as we tend to do, because we just love to talk football. Um, but thank you for being here today. And I'm going to just ask you this one more question. Uh, again, ladies and gentlemen, check out Scott Callen at Sixth Sense NFL. Sometimes you can catch him on VEASAN. You can catch him on the BetUS NFL show last season. He's not sure where he's going to be this season, but he'll be around. So I would pay attention to Scott Callen. 14 out of 17 winning season, Scott. That is very impressive. Are there any futures or bets right now that you're looking at for week one or week two that you really love that you'd like to tell the audience about? Yeah, one of the futures uh, that I feel very, very strongly about is the Vikings uh, under their season wins. Now, you can get them under 8.5 plus, plus 110, which is uh, effectively 8.6 wins, if you will. Circa, and I don't know how many other sports books do this, do the alternative lines, under 9.5 minus 185. 
that's like 8.65. So it's a very equivalent number. And I, I feel better with that number actually. But here's the deal. They were 13 and four last year. They were nine and oh in close games. <laughs> um, their Pythagorean theorem, and I've been doing this since 2007, which takes a look at their points and, and figures out what should they really have won. It's very accurate. Um, so they won 4.6 games more than they should have last year. That's the largest amount that I've, I've seen since 2007. Those wow. teams, when those teams get combined with a close game record of winning four more games or more than they lost, so like six and two, five and one, they happen to be nine and zero. Oh, uh, those teams do not perform well at all the next season. And matter of fact, regardless of how good you are, that close win uh, record always regresses. And on average, for all those teams that won four or more games than they lost, they average losing 0.5 games or a median of minus one game. So if they have nine close games again, and that means they're going to go five and four or four and five, that's four or five losses worse than they had last year. And they were 13 and four. That takes them down to about nine and eight. Uh, and they also had an easy schedule last year. I think their defensive line is worse this year with some of the losses. They did gain some players. I think their secondary is worse this year. They lost Patrick Peterson. They had the ninth easiest schedule last year. They only played three teams that won nine or more games last year. They have the seventh toughest schedule this year. I would look to play them under. And I would also, for some of the reasons I mentioned earlier, play Philadelphia under 11 and a half wins. They could win 11 games here and have a very good season. Uh, but I think that to win 12 games again, based on some of the stuff they had last year, um, I would look to play that under. And we already talked about it. Uh, Dallas plus 180 to win the division. I think they're neck and neck with Philadelphia. So getting plus 180. I think it's worth it. And remember, you know, when you're taking a plus 180 or taking a team 20 to one to win something, they don't necessarily need to have to do that. You can use that to hedge down the road as the season progresses uh, and just keep that in your back pocket to be able to hedge off of it uh, to still collect money in one way or another as well. Yeah, all you need to know about those Minnesota Vikings is how they got their asses handed to them by my New York Giants <laughs> in the playoffs. I mean, that was like, you know, and then you saw what happened to the Giants next week against the Eagles. So. Yes. Uh, you know, Giants saw them twice, kind of, you know, showed how suspect that defense was. Now, you know, Brian Flores could make a difference this season with them, but man, do they lack some talent, Scott. So um, it's going to a lot on Kirk Cousins and, you know, Justin Jefferson to, to really hold that team up, especially now with that Dalvin Cook. Scott, thank you so much for coming on the show. I have to have you back on during the season again. And, you know, I, I would wish you luck this NFL season, but 14 out of 17 seasons. Do you need it, Scott? I don't, I don't know if you need it. Hey, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take anything we can get, right? You got to be lucky and good, right, Chris? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, 14 out of 17s, I don't know if a lot of luck is coming into that. But thank you so much, Scott. We'll see you again soon. Thanks, Chris.